You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series, called Under Construction, takes a look at how the Holy Spirit wants to rebuild lives. I am sure that every one of you has a groaner in their life. Maybe it's somebody at work, somebody at school. Every time you see them coming around the corner, you know that you're going to hear about their knee, their hip, the weather, uh, the, 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 the ball game last night. Just a, just a groaner. Uh, maybe they are in your extended family. Like, oh no, they're going to show up to this event. Ah, oh, i got to deal with them again and they'll get you cornered. They'll tell you everything that's wrong with the government and with politics and all this and that. Just a groaner. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's somebody that lives inside of your own house. Now, this isn't a marriage counseling series, so I don't want anybody to elbow or point or anything, but maybe you live with that groaner. Or maybe you are the groaner. But you know what? You know what? Just, you know, we could talk about how bad groaning is and everything, but you know what? Groaning actually serves a purpose. When we groan, What are we really saying? We're saying that we long for better days. We long for a day that is better than the day that we have right now. It actually serves a purpose. Anytime somebody groans, they are longing for a better day. We've been in this series called Under Under Construction, and and this has been a great series for me because because the Holy Spirit went from this uh, impersonable force to someone that God has sent, who is God himself, that God sends to my life, to your life, to rebuild our lives. And we've talked about how how he's rebuilding an army for for him, and and, and, and he's rebuilding our lives in three specific ways. He's rebuilding our mind, he's rebuilding our heart, he's rebuilding our feet. But now, as He has rebuilt our life, and He is rebuilding our life, uh, we've got these aspects of our life that, that we really want to be rebuilt. See, we all have weakness. We all have struggle. We all have these things that we groan about in life. And what, what do we do with, with, with these struggles and these weaknesses and, and these things that we groan about? That's what we're going to be taking a look at this week. And and, and Paul, a guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, a guy that besides Jesus himself, we probably would consider the the, the holiest man that ever lived on the face of the earth. See, remember that he actually started out in his life before he came to meet Jesus. He started out as a guy who was very religious, but he persecuted Christians. And he even persecuted Christians till their death. And in Romans chapter 7, we're not going to look into Romans chapter 7. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. But, but in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this struggle. In fact, Romans chapter 7, I call it the doo-doo passage. The doo-doo passage. Because he talks about, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I want to do. I wish I could do the things I, 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 I do or I want to do. And I wish I don't do the things that I don't want to do. Who can identify with Paul? The, the, the struggle that there is in this life about the stuff that we do or we don't do and we want to do. And that's why I call it the doo-doo passage. Because when we, when we just do-do, we just do-do out of everywhere. And it just becomes a big doo-doo mess. And it's just this big doo-doo struggle. And he comes down to the end. And he goes, what a wretched man I am. Come on, this same guy, this same Paul, that every one of us would say would be the holiest, most righteous man that ever walked on the face of this earth besides Jesus. He himself says, what a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me from this life of sin and death? 
Thankfully, he immediately answers that question because it, with him asking that question, it would leave all of us going, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Who, who could save me from that? He says, Jesus Christ, our Lord, saves us from this. But see, then the chapter ends, and Paul didn't write the chapters. See, that's the thing about the, the, the Bible. That when, when Paul and other people wrote the, the, the Bible and the, the letters and, and the stories in the Bible, they didn't write in chapter breaks. See, so 7 into 8, chapter 7 into 8, is all one complete thought by Paul. But people, hundreds of years later, came and put in the chapter breaks. So we're actually going to be in chapter 8 today, starting in verse 1. You can follow along a hardbound Bible and, uh, or, or a tablet. And quite honestly, right now, I don't know, as I'm recording this, I don't know if they're going to be able to put the, put the verses on the screen or not. So you may just have to follow along uh, via those. Or if you didn't bring a Bible or a tablet or a smartphone or anything, then you can just uh, listen along and read them later. But I mean, Romans chapter 8, and, and Paul immediately goes into how... To, to, to about the answer behind how do we live through this struggle? How does the Holy Spirit want to rebuild our weakness, rebuild the struggle that we have in life? How does He want to rebuild that in our life? If you remember a couple of weeks ago, the, the, the passage that we looked at actually was the very first part of this, this chapter. And we ended with the fact that, that in order to share in the glory of God, we have to share in the sufferings of Christ. And Paul then goes in to, to more detail of what that means. And Paul didn't just mean persecution, and we're glad that he didn't just mean persecution, because here in America, we don't face a ton of persecution, or any really at all, for being a Christian. But suffering is much broader than persecution, although it includes persecution. Suffering is anything, any weakness, anything in life that we, we struggle with, or brings groanings. Look, we, we all know that we are weak individuals. I mean, once we get past a certain age, and that certain age is different for a whole lot of different people, but once we get past a certain age, we realize that our bodies are decaying, right? And that causes groaning and weakness, and, and, and especially when we get out of bed in the morning. But also from, from things like natural disasters, we're going to be talking about that, and, 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 and serious illness, and any illness at all, we'll be talking about that. And, and, but, but also the, the groaning that our own sin and other people's sin, we'll be talking about that. How do we deal? How do we deal with these weaknesses? How do we deal with these struggles? And how does the Holy Spirit want to rebuild our life actually through these weaknesses and struggles? Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Yet... What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. Remember, God, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how God is sharing His glory with us as an inheritance. And we're receiving that right now. But we all know, we all know that someday there's going to be a day that He shares His glory in full abundance. And we're able to go through the weakness and the struggle and, 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 and the dealings that we have to go through in life right now because, because we know that one day when we look back, after we've received the full glory of God, that these struggles are just going to be, man, they're just going to be blips on a radar screen. They were, they, they were like, man, why was I so freaked out about that? that they're so small compared to the immense glory that I'm experiencing right now. So how can we change that perspective? How can we change that perspective? For 
He's given us an example. He's given us an example from all creation. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, against the creation's will, all creation was subject to God's curse. Now, how is that? Because in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they broke the perfection that God made everything in. And we as humans, starting with Adam and Eve, and every human since then, have subjected and, and, and piled on top of that first sin, all of our sins, which subjects the creation to the sin. And the creation didn't do anything. But with eager hope, certainly of a better future, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in Glorious freedom from death and decay. Look, the, the, the earth itself and creation itself is, is longing to be restored and renewed. And that's what really what we're talking about today. Is that through all weaknesses, that God is going to restore and renew. And he's doing that for creation as well. For those that have been around church for a while, you know this is the new earth, the new heaven and new earth. That God is going to completely redeem and restore creation to where it originally was supposed to be. And creation is longing for that day. But in the meantime, for we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. So what does this mean, that, that the creation is groaning? Look, every time there's a natural disaster that happens, it's creation groaning out. Saying, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I can't wait to the day that it groans. Looking forward to the better day. Sickness, disease, that's creation groaning because of the sin that we've put it through. And see, if you struggled with God, and if you struggled with Jesus, and you struggled with church, and maybe some of the things that you struggled with is this, is this, this question of, why does suffering happen? And maybe you backed away from God and the Bible and church and Jesus because of unsatisfactory answers to, to that question. Why does suffering happen? And see... The thing is, is that maybe we just haven't given you good enough and actually biblical answers to that question. Because the Bible answers that question the best out of any other answer you could ever come up with. See, the Bible answers this question saying we put the creation through the curse of God because of our own sin. And all of this suffering is happening because of our sin. But... God is going to redeem and restore all of it. How has he proven that? By sending Jesus to, his, to the cross and resurrecting. See, he proved that he's going to restore everything one day because, because he sent Jesus to the cross and, and, and he resurrected him. And through that, he's showing, hey, look, I'm going to resurrect everything. I'm going to resurrect to, to, the, the earth to a new earth and heaven to a new heaven and, and our bodies to a new body that, that, that we will never, ever, ever have to deal with sickness and weakness and suffering ever again. 
He's going to restore everything. And the creation right now groans out in, in hopeful anticipation for that. But we deal with the effects of the creation groaning about that. And we as believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We groan too, right? Death occurs and we cry. And it hurts. Sickness hurts. Everywhere from a common cold to cancer and Alzheimer's. Hurts. We groan after, uh, over natural disasters. We're burdened and cry. We're distraught over them. We groan over our own sin. We groan over, over the sin of other people that, that have been done to us. We groan over all of that. Even though we have the Holy Spirit, even though we have Him living in us, and even though the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is a down payment and a guarantee of what's going to happen, we still groan. We still long for a better day. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including, 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 some of you ought to amen this one, the new bodies He has promised us. We're all getting new bodies, folks. We're getting a new model, 2.0, 3.0. You know, you know we're upgrading from the, from, the, from the Fiesta to the Corvette. Like, yeah, let's go, you know, let's go riding. We're going to get a new body. Our body currently groans until we get that new body. See, this is what God wants you to know. This is how God wants to rebuild your weakness. That, that even though we're going through this pain and this weakness and the suffering right now, that we can go through it because we look forward to our full adoptions. Look forward to our full adoption. See, we talked about two weeks ago about how God is adopting us and God has adopted us. But, but we know that we haven't received full adoption. We haven't come into the full house of God yet, like in His very presence for all eternity. And, and we eagerly long for that adoption. We can go through the suffering right now because we look forward to that day when we get full adoption rights and we get our new body. And all this weakness and all this groaning and all this suffering is just... A distant memory. That's the hope. See, that's the hope. Actually, what Paul says, we were given this hope and we were saved. And actually, I like other translations better that says, actually, we are saved because of this hope. We look at this hope and say, hey, look, this isn't all that's there. This is this weakness, this groaning, this suffering. This isn't all that we have to have to deal with. There can be something. There is a certainty of a better future that, that I can I can look forward to. That's why we're saved. That's why we were saved in the first place. They were like, I want to shed off this sin. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, I want to kill off this sin and tell this sin to go to hell so that I can experience restoration and redemption and full restoration and full redemption as full adoptive children of a uh, child of God and as, as, as receiving this body that I was meant to have. That's why we get saved in the first place. And if you're not saved, if you're not a fan of God, if you're not somebody that has put your full trust in God, this is, this is reason enough that one day He wants to restore your body completely to the way He wanted it to be. Some of you may say, man, that, that, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. 
I love that. But, I mean, that's future focus. Is there anything for today? <laughs> Actually, there is. Paul gets to that. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our weakness. For example, one example, I think it's a pretty good one, actually. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. None of us. None of us. The most spiritual, the best prayer amongst us, down to the one who, who just got saved maybe just two minutes ago. No one knows what God really wants us to pray for. We can't claim to know that. I mean, I mean, we're just humans, right? We're weak humans. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own well, I mean, this is, this is incredible, right? This is crazy. See, see, one of the, one of the biggest things that, that I, I kind of get when, 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 when people, like, let's pray, and, and let's do prayer, and can you pray out loud, can you pray in this group? Like, I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to say when I pray. And, uh, look, this is actually should, should be, should be the, the, the promise that releases you to pray. The same guy. We, none of us know what to pray. None of us. But that's not a big deal because the Spirit goes, I got you covered. I know your heart. I know God's will. I know God's heart. I know God's mind. And so I will intercede for you. I will go between you and God. And when you pray, I will translate it into the language of God so that he knows exactly what to do. I don't know, maybe, maybe a decent way to explain this is um, maybe when you uh, were kids and you had a friend that uh, made a request of you, but you had to run it by your parents first. Instead of that friend making that request, you knew how to pull those strings the best way possible. For, for, for your own benefit. And so you took the request of the friend and you went to your parents understanding how they tick and you intercede and you interpret for them what that friend is really requesting. Maybe that's one of the best ways to kind of look at it. The Holy Spirit is sent in our life in this time of weakness, of not really knowing what to pray, and in, in this time of suffering, really, right? In this time of suffering, and in, this, in times of weakness, and in times when we do not feel adequate for life, that's really where we don't know how to pray. God has sent His Spirit into our life to be able to intercede and advocate and go between for us, to, because He knows us, and He knows God's mind and God's heart and God's will, and He... Praise in line. Some of you may then say, well, why even pray? If, 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 if Holy Spirit's got it all taken care of, then why pray? Who cares? Just let Him take care of it. Say, I'm a man of action, and I'm going to delegate that all to the Holy Spirit, right? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. One, there's no promise of the action of the Holy Spirit unless we pray. So, if we don't pray, perhaps the Holy Spirit isn't going to act on our behalf. Second, 
What we actually find, and what I keep finding out more and more and more, the more I do pray, is that as I come before God and the Spirit intercedes, and however that works, like I cannot claim to know how that works, however that works, and the Spirit intercedes for us, what I find happening and occurring is this, that my mind... And my heart and my feet begin to be rebuilt even further because the Holy Spirit connects me to God and then he connects God to me. And so through that process, he continues to transform and rebuild my mind, my heart, my feet through prayer. And the closer through that, the closer I come to matching up with God's will. I'm always going to be weak. I'm always going to fall short. I'm always not going to get it right. But the Spirit keeps drawing me closer and closer and closer to where God wants me to be. I mean, isn't all that just cool? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? Like, we don't have to fear getting it wrong in prayer. There's no fear to that. Because God says, I got it comfort. The Spirit, He knows exactly what you need. He's going to say what exactly what needs to be said. Like, wow, that's that's cool too. That's that's awesome that we I can pray in my weakness and all that. And that, that's fantastic. And I would, uh, what, what about the struggle that I am going through? I mean, what about that? I'm going to pray about that, but what about that? Can he deal with that? Like, get rid of it? This is right up there, probably, you know, kind of a top whatever list of famous verses in the Bible. If you've been around Bible land for for any length of period or time at all, then you've heard this. 8.28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So you've heard this verse, and maybe this verse is encouraging, and maybe actually... You've heard this verse, and the way that this verse has been used in, 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 in your past, you actually, maybe you've become frustrated with God because of it. Well, God, I've heard this preached before. And you know what? You said everything will come out for my good. But the cancer didn't go away. The sickness didn't go away. The tornado came and went. The, 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 my life was left in shambles. The child abuse didn't go away. You're right. It didn't. And if this verse was interpreted in such a way to let you think that whatever we deem as bad would go away, I'm sorry, because that's not what Paul had in mind here. And see, this is actually a a, a better apologetic, a better apologetic for the concept of suffering than anything else you can come up with. Because this doesn't ignore weakness and suffering and groaning. 
This actually goes and leans right straight into the middle of it. It says, God may not change my situation, but what he will do is bring good out of it. And what he will do is bring his glory to light through it. Did you catch that at the end? He gave him, he gave them his glory. See, what I'm convinced of, especially in American Christianity, is, is that we need to change our definition of good and bad. See, we have defined good and bad by whatever happens to us. And if we think it is good, then it's good. If we think it is bad, it is bad. So if it happens to us and it's bad, then God didn't come through on His promise. There's something wrong with God. That's not what He means here. What He means is, whether the cancer stays or whether the cancer is healed, God will bring good out of this and bring His glory out of this. Whether I get a job or whether I stay unemployed, God will bring good and God will bring His glory. Whether I get the girl or I don't get the girl, God will bring His good, God will bring His glory. Whether a natural disaster happens tonight, tomorrow, or sometime in our life, or not, God will bring His good, God will bring His glory. If I get in a car wreck, God will bring His good, God will bring His glory. Whatever situation you can think of, done to you, you've done to yourself, or just what we call natural disaster. God will bring His good, God will bring His glory, right in the middle of it. So we just need to change our definition of what is good and what is bad. See, when God brings His good and His glory, that will always be good. Why? Because we know that someday, and perhaps even sooner rather than later, we will receive and experience His full glory. And we will look back to the pain and suffering and say, wow, that was a distant memory. So right now, are we willing to redefine good and bad? And say, you know what, God? I might be right in the middle of bad. And what everybody else would consider to be bad. But you are determined to bring good. And I'm going to have faith in that. And I'm going to lean into it. And I am going to seek it. And I'm going to find your glory so that your glory, your invisible beauty, your invisible splendor, your invisible light can be made visible to people who cannot see you. See, that's why he wants us. Not to get out of the weakness. But that's why he wants to rebuild us through our weakness. See, Paul described this in another letter that he sent to another church. Church in Corinth. It's the second letter. Well, second letter that's kept. It's probably actually the fourth letter that Paul sent to the church in Corinth. But he said this in chapter 12. And he's talking about the thorn in his flesh. And if, if you've been around church, again, that's something that you've heard about. And we don't know what it is. I personally think that it's a physical ailment. 
But we don't know truly what it is, and overall, it really doesn't matter. Paul sees it as a thorn in the flesh. He sees it as a weakness. He sees it as a suffering. He sees it as a point of groaning. And he prayed three times for God to heal him, to get rid of it, to send it away. And this was God's response. Each time, God said, My grace is all you need. My power works, works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness, and in the insults, in the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Not because He pulls Himself up by His bootstraps, but because God, through the Holy Spirit, rebuilds Paul in order that his weakness becomes strength. In order for God's good to be seen. And in order for God's glory to be seen in those who cannot see God. They can see it. Through Paul's life and through the weakness and through the strength. I have weakness. I feel so weak in leading. I feel so weak in, in, in trying to get to the next spot. I feel so weak in knowing where to go from here. I have personal weaknesses. Things where I feel just like a little kid in a grown-up world. I'm guessing that you have things that you feel the same way about. God isn't saying, I will take away the weakness. He didn't tell Paul he will take away the weakness. In fact, he told Paul, no, no, no. My grace is enough for you. My strength can be seen in weakness. Whatever you groan about, it's okay to groan. It's okay. This isn't some Pollyanna, positive thinking, get over it message. It's okay to weep. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to, 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 to go through life. But no. But know this. Through it all. God is rebuilding your weakness for His good and for your good. For His glory and for your glory. So that other people can see the goodness, greatness, and glory of God. Some of you today, you... um, have had a hard time with God because of this whole suffering concept. And I just hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, and again, the Holy Spirit, kind of that same idea of prayer, that the Holy Spirit takes the words that I am saying and simply translates them into your heart the best way He knows how. I hope that He's done something in your life. If you struggle with this question of suffering, I hope He's done something in your life that you can go, okay, okay, okay. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't get it all. But I'll have faith. I'll have faith. Shelly will be in the back of the room. Grab somebody you trust to talk to. And, and if you want to come to know Jesus as your personal Savior, and be saved by this hope of, 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 
of restoration? Then talk with somebody. There's no magical power in talking. It just helps you sort things out. For those of you that that question is settled, how is God rebuilding your weakness right now? How is He speaking to you about the things that you groan over? How is He speaking to you about your weakness? How is He making that? How is He rebuilding that into a strength that will give Him glory and to show you His goodness? Use this time of reflection for that. And this is a safe place. If you need to pray with somebody, go pray with somebody. We want to see God rebuild your weakness to something that is strong. He's rebuilding your weakness today. And someday, He will restore and redeem that weakness for all eternity as adoptive sons and daughters. But until that day, remember, each and every day, He is rebuilding your weakness into His strength for your good and His glory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you that you were rebuilding us and that you sent your spirit to rebuild us. And my prayer is simple. Rebuild people's hearts, minds, feet, where they are weak, so that your strength will be known. It's your name that I pray. Amen. You have listened to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. Please find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash my crosspoint.